Welcome back, podcast fans. It has been quite a while since our last edition of the CIAC cast, but as always, we are thrilled you have decided to download and listen or join us, however you may be joining us this afternoon. I am Joel Cookson, your host. We're thrilled to have you along for what should be an excellent uh, conversation series of conversations about high school sports in Connecticut. We've got a uh, an eclectic group of guests for our return podcast. I'd like to say that the reason we haven't been podcasting is because I lost my voice or something, but instead it's just been busy time, But uh, and the busyness is uh, about to heat up a little bit more. So we've got some great guests for you this week. We're going to start things off with Mary Albel from the New Haven Register. She's going to preview the upcoming indoor track and field class championships. That's right. Championship season is upon us already. Hard to believe here just a week or so into February, but she's going to get us things kicked off for us. Then we're going to shift gears pretty drastically. We're going to chalk to a teacher from Wethersfield High School who has played a role in the formation of a interesting organization there that's been fostered by some student activity. Um, the gentleman's name is John Sand, and so he's going to offer uh, a little bit of information about this great program that we've read about and heard about at Wethersfield High School that uh, the athletes have put forward. Hope you'll enjoy that conversation as well. And then we're going to finish things off. We've got a new addition to our cast CIAC family here at our central office in Cheshire. Steve Wysowski, a former principal and athletics director, uh, is joined the CIAC staff. So we're going to chat with him. He also happens to be involved in the track and field championships. So we'll bring things back around uh, at the conclusion of the podcast to talk with him about some track and field championships stuff as well, along with just a little bit of background on him as he joins our CIAC staff here. So three great Great guests. We're excited to get in touch with them and hear what they have to say. We're going to do a very short edition of our our recurring feature, Things You Might Have Missed, but let's jump right into that. This is Things You Might Have Missed on CIACsports.com, but uh, when we don't have a podcast for about two months, it's pretty easy to uh, say to miss things, so we're not going to go through all of the things you might have missed uh, during that time, but we do want to point to a couple quick things that'll be interesting for you. A recent post on CIACsports.com, NFHS Network is going to be loaded with winter championship action this winter. We're very excited to say all all of our winter championship sports are going to have at least one event covered on the NFHS network, and a several of them are going to have all of their championships. So encourage you to check out that post and to go to nfhsnetwork.com and then look for the Connecticut tab to keep track of all of the great action, starting with the indoor track and field championships that are taking place uh, beginning today, and then we'll run through the weekend. Those will all be carried live on the NFHS network, so we're very excited about that. As always, we encourage to uh, encourage you to check out the Tournament Central link on the home CIAC Sports homepage. That is the place where you can get all of the information about the CIAC championships, including signing up for email alerts, signing up for text alerts, all of the schedules, all of the results, all of the brackets, all of the everything about CIAC tournament action can be found at that Tournament Central link. So I think you're going to want to bookmark that one. Keep it handy. You've got rosters. You've got results. You've got everything 
all at your fingertips there at Tournament Central. So that's just a few things that you might have missed. Oh, I do want to add, we had a jam-packed edition of our recurring weekly feature on CICsports.com linked up last week, and that was just a tremendous act at the close of January, just a, a plethora of great stories that we thought folks would uh, would really enjoy and we wanted them to check out. So encourage everyone to look at that as well as we head into the championship season. But without further ado, that's just a few of the things you might have missed on CIACsports.com. We hope you will not miss this edition of the podcast, and we're going to get it started with our guest. We started off with a uh, someone we've talked to quite a bit. She's going to break down the CIAC Indoor Track and Field Class Championships, which are going to get started in mere moments here on CIACsports.com. We are on the phone now with Mary Albel of the New Haven Register, and who uh, has been a frequent podcast guest for us, and also earns the honor as the most prompt email responder of anyone I've, uh, I've we've had on the the podcast, which is certainly a an appreciated uh, feature. So, Mary, thanks for being with us again. Uh, thank you. It's good to be back. Always happy to have you, and uh, certainly hope folks check out. She's also a very, uh, very frequent Twitter user, so you can follow her on Twitter as well. Encourage you to check her out there and uh, all the great work she's doing covering a, a variety of sports. But we wanted to talk to her today about track and field as the the CIAC Class Track and Field Championships get underway today, uh, this afternoon, with the Class L Championships. And Mary uh, keeps abreast of the track and field uh, stuff just about as well as anyone in Connecticut. So wanted to get her perspective on those meets. And uh, Mary, I know you were there in person at three of the uh, the larger um, league championships, the FCAC, the SCC, and CCC Indoor Championships just in the past week or so. Um, so to start with, what were you know maybe a handful of performances, either teams or individuals that uh, that really stood out to you from those uh, those league championship meets? Well, I think um, you know what stood out to me most at the FCAC. Um, what everybody was talking about, kind of the story of the night, was the battle between you know nationally ranked distance runners and Baldy of Staples and Claire Howlett of West Hill. You know. Claire actually won the 1600 and 3200 title, and everybody was, you know, very surprised that Hannah finished second. You know, and mm-hmm. it's a really great rivalry those two have going, and great for the uh, the sport of track. Yeah. So I mean, expect those two to keep battling it out all the way into uh, nationals. On uh, the boys' side, at the um, SCC meet, and as well as the FCAC, you know, it's a very tight race at the um, SCC, and it came down to. I think it was one or two points between Ambony and Xavier, which was to be expected, but then you had in hand and Hamden. And then at the FCAC, you know, it's close between Danbury and Staples. And you're going to add in, you know, Glastonbury and some of those teams from the CCC. And it's going to be a very, very tight, um, you know, state meet in the class double L for the boys. So. Absolutely. Lots of, uh, lots of good things to, uh, to keep an eye on. You mentioned uh, sort of the surprise of, uh, of Claire Howlett in, the, in that battle between those two uh, very well-known uh, competitors on the, on the girls' side. Were there any other things that sort of surprised you? I know you go into these uh, meets, you know, a lot of times you sort of have a sense of what might happen just, you know, just based on, on previous performances. But was there anything else that, uh, that surprised you from those league championships? Um, you know, I think it surprised a lot of people was just kind of how far back the Hill House girls finished at the mm-hmm. SEC meet, you know, they've just been so dominant the past, you know, long time, you know, there's three time defending chance, yeah. um, state chance, you know, but they did lose a lot of talent, but, um, they, they're a young team. So 
you can never count out Hill House, so I would expect them to make a good run and clash in, but I think it just kind of took people back, you know, that Hill House did finish, you know, fourth at the SEC, but, um, you know, Wilbur Cross did take the title, so it's, you know, things are shifting this year. Yeah, a little bit of a of a different flavor, perhaps than than we're used to at that. But as you said, uh, there's still a, still some CIAC championship meets to go, and and things could turn around. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward to the 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 championships this weekend. We've got the L meet, of course, on on Thursday, and then the M on Friday, and then the S and the double L will both take place on Saturday in uh, in New Haven. Obviously, a lot of teams and a lot of competitors between those four meets. But if you had maybe just a, a handful of of things, what are some of the things that you're expecting to see maybe this weekend um, or, or interested in seeing as we head into the, the competition? Um, starting with the Class L, Thursday, you know, the Darien girls are very favored to win. You know, they had a strong performance at the CFTX, scoring 95 points. But, um, you know, don't turn out Mercy, and then Wilbercross will be going for their first title since 2004. You know, they moved up from Class M to L, and mm-hmm. they have a very strong useful team that could um could give Darian a run for their money. Um also on speaking of Allegheny, you know, what's interesting about hand, you know, they they score a lot of their points in the relays and the field events and um they finished tag for third at the SEC, which um maybe surprised a few people, but um they're going for their first indoor state title ever in program history and they have a good shot at doing it. So that would be a very interesting um storyline to follow. Um, in the end, you know, as I mentioned before, Hill House, they could um, they could contend, but you have to watch out for Weston. Mm-hmm. It's moved up from Class S. And then I can never count out the Poland girls. It's finished uh, fourth at the CCC championships, but um, they're always a strong team. So also um, individually in Class M, um, East Haven has a shot putter and the name of Destiny Coward. And She's kind of unknown, flew under the radar the last two years, but she's really improved and thrown over 40 feet. So she leads New England, and she's a name to watch. And then uh, rounding it out in Class L, um, again, you know, it's going to be a tight race between on the boys' side between Amby, Xavier, Staples, Bridgefield, Hamden, Danbury. All those teams have a good shot. So, But then um, individually in Class L, you have Fairfield Preps, uh, Christian Alvarado. Right. He's looking to um, defend his title in the 3200, and then add a title in the 1600. You know, he's nationally ranked, headed to Georgetown, so he's a fun one to watch while you get a chance. Yeah. When you, uh, this is sort of a, a little bit different question, but uh, you know, it, it, how would and maybe this is uh, different for you. You obviously, you know, you cover these events, uh, and and so you're working. But uh, you know, how would you kind of recommend? to a fan who, who's coming to watch, maybe who's not used to a, a track and field meet, which is, can be a little bit of a circus at times. Uh, how do you, so, how would you sort of suggest that fans kind of take this all in? You know, there's a lot going on. You've got races going on. You've got field events going on. Do you sort of, how would you suggest, or how would you recommend maybe to somebody kind of what's the best approach to sort of see what's going on and maybe try to try to get a sense for what's happening at the meet or, you know, if there's specific individuals they want to see, I guess sort of a, it's a little bit of a general question, but how would you approach as a fan going to a track meet like these, uh, the championships this weekend? Uh, that's a good question. It's kind of a organized chaos when you, yeah. if you've never been to a track meet, there's just so much going on, but, um, 
I guess the start, they do have the start list posted um, out in the hallways, so I would go take a look at those, and they have the order of events and everything. But usually, you know, the the beginning of the meets, they have the relays and stuff, and then the field events, um, it's usually, you know, kind of the preliminaries. They don't really get down to the finals until about an hour or so into it. So, you know, usually I would say if you get there, just kind of take everything in and then see how athletes are doing. And really the heart of the meet starts, you know, uh, about an hour or two in and you get the uh, when the 1600 starts and uh, get the 3200 and the 4x4 to end the, uh, the meet. Those are always great events to watch. And also, you know, wander around to the field events and see how athletes are doing. Usually, again, about an hour into the event, you can see some really good marks mm-hmm. and um, times going on. So I think it's just kind of what event you want to see and uh, just kind of wander around and see what's going on. Yeah, that's certain. That's always been my approach. You just kind of aren't quite sure what you might stumble upon as you sort of uh, right. make your way around the uh, the the Floyd Little Athletic Center. Um, any other, you know, you mentioned obviously there's a lot of standout competitors. Anyone else that that comes to mind? You know, you you mentioned, uh, um, you know, the the runners, a few of the distance folks who are nationally ranked. Are there any other standout folks who you maybe think could could win, you know, multiple events at the any of the meets this week, or uh, anyone else that uh, that fans could kind of focus in on for those folks who are coming, uh, maybe who who are just sort of trying to to get the whole experience here. Um, I think in Class S, you know, you have a really good performer in um, HK's Leah. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. I think it's Promer or something. But um, she's a senior who is leading um, the state in the long jump. And she also does relays. And I think she does a few sprints. And she's a really fun athlete to watch. And she helped um, HK win their first Shoreline Conference title since 2004 last weekend. So, She's definitely one to watch. Also, the um, in Class M again, Bloomfield has some outstanding field events. Um, long jump, high jump, they're always a great team to watch. So yeah. those would be two of the kind of lower classes that you don't hear about too much. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, certainly we'll we'll bring some folks to the Open Championship next weekend. We do know that. Um, uh-huh. And as should mention, uh, as a little bit of a shameless plug, all of the uh, – qualifying performance lists uh, are available on CIACsports.com. If you want to kind of take a look, any fans want to see, you know, who's who's run the fastest times, who's posted the best uh, distances in any field events and things like that, uh, that's all available on uh, CIACsports.com. So folks want to uh, avail themselves of that before they head out to the meet, they can certainly do that, or before they watch it online uh, on the NFHS network. Um, so, Mary, one kind of final thing I wanted to hit on with you. You wrote uh, a really interesting story um, for the, the Register and for Game Time CT, the, the new uh, high school sports website, um, mm-hmm. about the challenges, you know, that in particular many schools have to deal with uh, to train and compete for the indoor track season, um, you know, just as a general general sport, um, you know, that that's uh, maybe re- whether it's resources or weather or whatever it might be, um, that it can be a, a sport that's challenging for a lot of schools. So could you just talk? I, I thought it was a really interesting story and wanted to just see if you could talk about some of the things you found uh, from reporting that story about the different challenges that schools face and, and kind of how they approach trying to uh, to solve some of those issues. Yeah, basically um, in the article, you know, 
I kind of broke it down into the teams who have access to build house, the teams who don't, and how they train, you know, and it's really interesting. Only nine of the schools, you know, the CIAC schools that compete and have a track and field, um, indoor track and field program, you know, have a field house. But what I found was, you know, field house does not mean advantage when it comes to meets and the results. So, it boils down to how the athlete's training and how the coach and team is making the best of their situation. And one of the interesting storylines I found was over at um, in Madison at Daniel Hand, mm-hmm. they're not allowed to use um, the inside of their school, gymnasiums, hallways, anything for practice. So every day they're outside practicing. And if you look at the results, they have their boys pole vaulters. They have 11 pole vaulters out and they're probably the best pole vaulting team in the state, which is quite incredible. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, again, what I found from the coaches was, you know, if the athlete wants to train, if they love the sport, then they'll find a way to do it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, certainly encourage folks to, uh, to check that out. You know, it's not, uh, it's not a basketball practice where you can just uh, head right into the gym and uh, everything's set up there right. for you. you the ki- kids have to get a little creative. Coaches have to get a little creative, uh, particularly during the winter season. Maybe it gets a little easier once uh, things warm up. But uh, encourage everyone to check that out and check out all of Mary's work at uh, GameTimeCT. And you can follow her on Twitter at MaryAlbl, A-L-B-L. And uh, I know she'll be doing a lot of work covering the the class championships this weekend and we appreciate her as uh as always bringing some knowledge for us and uh and sharing what she's seeing on the uh the track championships so mary thanks for being with us and uh good luck this weekend thank you always great to talk to mary who's very hard-working sports writer as most connecticut sports writers are particularly at the high school level always working hard to get out and cover those events and uh, it is a a long day of championships but a lot of great stuff at the indoor track and field so hope folks will will check that out as i mentioned again available online nfhsnetwork.com look for the connecticut tab and uh, be sure to check out mary's work and everyone else's great work on the championship once they conclude Moving on, we're going to shift gears here and reach out to someone, a teacher at Weathersfield High School, who has been involved in creating a great program at that school that we wanted to talk a little bit about, thought was worth sharing on the podcast. I'm very happy to be chatting now with John Sand, who teaches social studies at Weathersfield High School and is a part of a very cool story that we thought would be great to share with our podcast listeners. So, John, thanks very much for uh, joining us today. Thank you for having me. So let's uh, just sort of start from the beginning here. This was a story that I saw uh, in the Hartford Current with an excellent uh, story from Lori Riley, which I encourage folks to check out. But um, basically it's about the formation of an organization called the Student Weathersfield Action Team, and uh, you were instrumental uh, in the formation of that organization. So can you just talk to me a little bit about sort of the the background of this story? How uh, How did this organization come about? Right. Well, it, it started with uh, a, a student uh, coming to me asking me for help. And uh, we had some various clubs, kind of small groups here, a group uh, who was dedicated to getting rid of isms, another group that was kind of interested in LGBTQ uh, issues. Mm-hmm. And every, everybody was kind of um, small, separate splinter groups. And nothing was getting done, nothing was changing, they weren't gaining, you know, any traction. And uh, she came to me and said, you know, we want your help to kind of get this get this moving and make students, you know, make sure everybody's included, everyone's treated equally, everybody's treated well and, and respected. And uh, I said, okay. And uh, she t- it took her a little time to convince me, but I, I, I got on board. 
And I said, let's do this. And I said, the first thing we need to do is get everybody together. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we need to, we're all making sure that everybody is respected. That's the bottom line. Right? Yeah. For whatever reason, we just need to have everybody respect everybody else. So, you know, even though we're interested in one group or we're interested in another issue or this part of this issue, it's all on the same page. Um, combine that with the, the stuff that's been going around, unfortunately, around the country with kids who've been bullied. Yeah. Um, and, and some really tragic circumstances, and uh, you just don't want that to ever happen uh, at your school or, or anywhere. But in an area where you could do something about it, you know, we need to do something about it. And so our, we kind of put it all together into a, a gigantic anti-bullying group, and let's get everybody involved, um, not just the kids who are being affected. And one way I thought to get it involved is, is to tap into the largest group of students in the school, and that's the kids that play sports. Yep. Um, that's, that's by far the highest participation rate, uh, you know, across the board. And, and let's bring these guys in. And one thing led to another, and, um, you know, I ran across uh, Hudson Taylor and his athlete ally organization doing research, and I said, you know, this is the guy uh, who can really connect with the kids and, and really kind of bring, bring, a, bring a great statement and a cause to our building. Yeah. So, you know, you had uh, the Hudson Taylor, who's a former uh, athlete at the University of Maryland, uh, come in and speak. And, and what was sort of, uh, you know, the, the message or the takeaway from, from his presentation that you were able to, to share with the, the students at the school? Well, the, the, the big thing is just is, was to treat everybody equally and respect everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and and his, his point was, listen, it, it's, it's not about changing your religion or your political beliefs or your philosophy or anything like that. But it's about making sure that school and, and specifically athletic areas and sports areas um, are neutral ground, yeah. that everybody can feel safer. Everybody can come into this building and feel like they're not going to be bullied for whatever reason. Um, and, and that was the big thing. And, it's, you know, it's like a word. Listen, it's, no matter what you think about it, everybody deserves to be treated with respect. Everybody deserves to have an education without being bullied or without, you know, being in fear of something. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, you know, coming from a good-looking young guy who's a, you know, three-time All-American wrestler. I mean, that, that's about as tough as you get. Right? Yeah. He's a tough, <laughs> tough guy. And at the same time, he's comfortable enough to say, I'm a drama major, I'm friends with people, who, you know, who are uh, LGBTQ um, kind of advocates, and, mm-hmm. and so that's no big deal. Yeah. So it's no big deal to me, shouldn't be a big deal to you either. And, yeah. Uh, so he's a great role model in that sense, and, uh, and he delivered a great message. Absolutely, it's certainly uh, someone that maybe some other any any school interested in this kind of thing could uh, could look up. So, what has been sort of the the reaction uh, from students um, in terms of sort of some of the the things that you've been working to uh, you know to kind of implement? What 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 kind of reaction have you seen from the groups that that you've been trying to uh, work on this with? Uh, it's, it's been phenomenal. I mean, uh, kids showing up to meetings after school, kids coming up in the hallways, kids, uh, you know, are very, very interested. And what happened is, is that when you have a guy like Hudson Taylor say, hey, this is okay, mm-hmm. and this is what we should be doing, then that kid who was like, gee, well, I, you know, I don't want to support gay rights issues because then people will think I'm gay. Right. Like, kids who kind of have that mentality, well, I, I don't want to get lumped into this. And now all of a sudden you've got this guy who comes in and says, hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with it, right? Supporting other people. No matter what the cause, you're supporting someone other than yourself. It's an admirable thing to do, um, and, it, and it's, you know, the right thing to do. And so what it's done, and he's given kids, permission's a bad word, but he's given them the ability to say, okay, you know what, I can reach out of my comfort zone. I can, I can stand up for things I know that aren't right and not worry about somebody else thinking whatever they're going to think about me. Um, and, you know, like I said, he, he's a, a role model himself, so he did it, and so now everybody else is comfortable doing it. 
and again, you know, coming from coming from the source, you're coming from a wrestler, you know, a tough, tough guy. Everybody said, you know, what I can do it too. Yeah. Um, and and so it's been it's been really really good. And we've done uh, as, as group as the athlete ally, and we've had pledge signings in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been doing that this week when it hasn't been snowing. Um, and it what it is, it's a pledge to you know be good to each other, treat people with respect, treat, treat people as equals. And uh, kids are signing up in droves. You know, I brought a couple iPads down, and, and kids are lined up in the cafeteria waiting to sign the pledge. That's um, great. And that's that's powerful. That's really good. It gives students a chance to take some action to be part of something special. Um, and the more kids that get on board with it, you know, the better school we're going to have. Yeah. What was the what was sort of your you know obviously you said it was a, a student who came to you um, you know to sort of say we we need some help with this but what was it that made you sort of think that that athletics was the sort of the impetus or the arena that you could kind of maybe get the most uh, bang for your buck so to speak what uh, what kind of led you in that direction do you think Yeah, it was my own experiences. So I was you know I played sports in high school as a three sport captain in high school. I coached. I uh, started the hockey team out at E.O. Smith High School back mm-hmm. in the day, and I coached track and I coached cross country. And uh, you know, I was a part of that culture. And unfortunately, some of the the homophobic language and those kind of things that that Hudson was talking about, they come out of you know an athletic environment. Yeah. Um. And so it, it was a natural for me because I've experienced part of that stuff myself as being in you know those arenas both as a as a player and a coach. Um. And it's something that. I think, again, the size of the group uh, made it, you know, the, the very powerful. You can get the, the largest group of kids in the school who all do one thing together, and that's play sports. If you can get them all on board saying, hey, we're not going to take this kind of stuff, we're not going to be part of it, that changes your culture. It, yeah. it just really does, you know. Yeah. Ten kids doesn't, doesn't have the ability to, don't have the ability to change, you know, make massive change in a school. But when you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of kids, now you got some. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I guess we're, you know, we're, we're thinking big is that we're what we're going to do. Well, that's Let's a good go thing. Right to it. Um, what what are some of the you know the the plans or ideas or activities or whatever that you may have uh, going forward um, with this group or is that you sort of leaving that a little bit to the the students to kind of come up and with and say hey what's this is an issue we want to address or this is a way we want to try to tackle things what's sort of the the forward direction here for this organization uh, as you uh, start to look ahead. Right. Well, the, the first thing is to keep the conversation going. Mm-hmm. So that's why this week we were, we were doing the Athlete Ally Pledge signings. We get everybody on board with that. Uh, we're in the middle of putting together a video where we have, uh, you know, Athlete Ally has all kinds of professional ambassadors, guys who are in the NFL and, and that kind of stuff, who are, you know, pledged to be allies for the organization. And then we're going to put together our own video with our own kids and our own teachers saying, hey, I'm an ally. Um, we've got safe ally, Athlete Ally Safe space classroom signs going up to any teacher that wants them. Just advertise to every kid, hey, this is this is my room and this is what I believe and this is a safe space. We don't have any room for any any kind of language or any kind of bullying or any of that kind of stuff. Um, so we've got those two things going on now. The kids have brainstormed a lot of ideas about getting armbands mm-hmm. right, to wear during during a sports or an athletic game. The hockey players talking about getting stickers on for the back of their helmet. Right. Athlete allies saying, hey, we're taking a stand this way. Um, the wrestlers want to get the logo put on their sweatshirts. They're all getting sweatshirts from the booster club. Mm-hmm. So they've got they've got a lot of great ideas moving forward here. Um, and again, the the whole idea is, is to keep it up front, um, to keep the conversation going, and that each new class that comes into Weathersfield High comes in hearing this from our, our athletes saying, "Hey, this this is how we do stuff, and we don't do these types of things. We don't bully other kids." 
Um, and when the message gets into the, the new kids coming into the school, now you're perpetuating the culture. Right. So now we've got something that we can kind of continue to build over the next couple of years. And, and ultimately, the ultimate goal is, is to never have this conversation. Sure. It's to, it's to not address it because it's gone. Yeah. Um, that would be the ultimate. And it, it'll take some time to get there, but that's, you know, that's the goal, and that's, that's how we're going to keep moving forward. Well, it's a, a really a, a great uh, endeavor. Uh, you know, I, I think certainly something that uh, anyone, as you say, you know, it doesn't really matter what your uh, your personal beliefs might be on something. But uh, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of room to get behind just pe- everyone treating each other with respect. And it, it certainly to see it uh, sort of come to fruition and and you know pushed forward by students is is a wonderful thing. And it, we're I know in our office we're constantly amazed with sort of the quality of of students that we interact with, uh, you know, whether they be athletes or non-athletes, but uh, to, to see something kind of come from the students like this is is great. So we uh, we love to see the work that you're doing and uh, and hope to see uh, continued success for you and uh, the organization going forward. Great. And the only the only thing I would add is that it, that all of these things, and I think it would be same in any school, is that it always starts from the top. Mm-hmm. And uh, when this first came up, I went to Mr. Moore, our principal, and he was behind it 100%, without a, without a hesitation. He said, absolutely, this is what we need to do. And uh, he said, get the kids and go get it done. And then our athletic director also was just a huge help with making sure everything happens. Because it's, it's great. The kids are great with the ideas and all that kind of stuff. But then sometimes at a building level, you've got to get adults on board to make sure that it happens in terms of logistics and all that kind of stuff. And, again, there's your role model. I can say to kids, look, here's, here's two adults in the building, two administrators in the building saying, yeah, this is what we believe, you know, and, and putting, you know, backing it up and not just saying it. And uh, to me, I think that's very important because if we didn't have the administrative support, you know, we, the program wouldn't have gone off. We, we, we wouldn't be here. So Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's an important part of the whole thing. Well, wonderful leadership, wonderful students, and uh, we're very happy to see this sort of thing. So uh, congratulations, and uh, thanks very much for taking a few minutes to chat with us about it. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Greatly appreciate John Sand taking the moment to chat with us and really impressed with the work that they're uh, doing there at Weathersfield High School uh, with their SWAT program. Really an impressive, uh, sounds like an impressive group of kids doing some impressive things. So very happy to share that message and uh, spread it around and hope other schools may try to emulate what they're doing there at Weathersfield with that program. We're going to wrap things up now. Our final guest a new addition to the CAS CIAC family. We don't have a big family here at the home offices, but we're always happy to bring someone new on board. Wanted to chat with him, our newest addition, about his background and find out what he hopes to be bringing to CIAC. Very happy to chat now with Steve Wysowski, who's the, the newest member of our staff here at the CIAC. He joined us uh, January 1st, so wanted to take this opportunity to uh, to have a chat with him and talk a little bit about what has brought him to the CIAC and, and what he's hoping to uh, sort of have his uh, influence be once uh, he arrives. So, Steve, thanks for, for chatting with us. Thanks, Joel. It's good to be here. Um, as you mentioned in, in your kind introduction there, I've had a long affiliation with CIAC, um, going back to my days as a uh, high school track coach and then continuing through uh, my 10 years at various times in my career as an athletic director, assistant principal, and uh, the last uh, uh, 15 years or so as a uh, principal, uh, both at Coggenshock High School, where I served for many years as principal, and Bristol Eastern for the past three and a half years. How do you, uh, so, you know, having having come here now, and as you said, you've been involved in the CIAC, you've served on many committees. Um, how How would you say sort of your perspective or maybe 
looking at things differently now as a staff member rather than someone who, though you worked within the CIAC structure, was was affiliated with those other with those other institutions. How has that changed your perspective? Would you say now being on the uh, on the staff here? Well, um, the perspective is that uh, the buck stops here, I guess, in, in terms of decision making and responsibility, more so with responsibility. Um, whereas as a volunteer, you, uh, I, I would often make mistakes and uh, the office staff here was, was kind enough and, and capable enough to, to cover those mistakes. I, I think now I'm, uh, I'm the person required to be perfect, if you will. So uh, the pressure's on and uh, That's true. I guess here we go. That's true, because uh, we all know we okay. there are no mistakes to get made in, in, the, in, in these headquarters here. Absolutely it's not. not for many of us. Um, you know, I'm interested, obviously, you, you talked about, and, and something I've tried to, to really emphasize on the podcast here and on everything we do, is, is how valuable those, you know, sort of volunteers are from the schools. You know, there really is no CIAC without the, the people who sort of dedicate their time uh, beyond the, the folks who work uh, actually in the office here. How did you sort of get involved in that from that perspective when you were at the school, um, you know, and, and sort of felt like this was something you wanted to, to contribute to? And then sort of on the same question from your perspective, how valuable is it both for the person volunteering but also for the organization? Let me go back to my years as a coach where I think uh, many of us in track and field, it started with track and field and uh, uh, as, as a coach, uh, although we were athletes in college and athletes in high school in that sport, uh, there are 18 or 19 event more than that. Uh, and, and so that uh, the, uh, the assumption that you're an expert in all the events is, 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 is it's wrong. You just can't be. Even if you were a decathlon, uh, decathlete, you, you would certainly not have expertise in some eight or nine other events. So we were mentored by then uh, the, the, the the pillars of track and field. I remember Irv Black and Lindy Remigino, both Olympians and, and willing to take us under their wings. Heck, as a college athlete, I remember being hollered at by Irv Black. And then it, it, <laughs> that mentorship continued as I became a coach. Yeah. And I felt that uh, his nurturing and others, uh, their nurturing uh, provided me with enough uh, sense and, 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 and certainly make up for the lack of experience that I had and brought me along. And then as, as the years went on and we gained success as, as a program at the schools I was at and as a coach individually, uh, you, you kind of felt the onus was on you to help others come along in the sport and in, in the areas uh, that we had worked with the CIAC on. And, and then, you know, translated as an athletic director, uh, new athletic director experience, and ultimately as an administrator, uh, felt the same responsibility Whereas uh, people in this organization nurtured us, guys like Paul Hoey, who I now work side by side with, and, and um, uh, you know, Mike Buckley. Mike was principal at Cognitrock years before I got there, and, and I came on board here uh, as an administrator, a new administrator, and uh, his guidance and expertise certainly helped me in, mm -hmm. in my novice years as, as an administrator. So I think it started as a coach and realizing that uh, you know, we not only have people that would mentor us, but then it was our responsibility, if you will, then to go on and, and share that with others as we became, I don't want to say experts, but more experienced yeah. in, in the area. So, and, and it moved up. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm interested, just as you said, you have a, a background, both coach, athletics director, principal, um, but also as an athlete, you know, so 
you know, and one of the things obviously that the, the CIAC believes strongly in is is the value of of athletics, um, you know, as a as an enterprise um, and as part of the educational experience. Uh, and I'm just curious, sort of your perspective on that, having gone through it as an athlete, you know, both at the high school and then on to the college level. Yeah, athletics prepares you, I think, for success because you fail so much. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's horrible to say that. But, but it's true, the number of times that you don't achieve your goal and the number of times that you go out and, uh, I don't want to say fail, but, but come short of what you would expect. It, it's valuable lesson to, to, in perseverance to, to stay with it. And, and subsequently to, you know, to, to that, we are all, uh, although you're an athlete, we're all students. Yeah. And students first. And I can recall my dad heavily influenced me in that area where, you know, I would say I did this, this, and this athletically and boast and he would say, but what are your grades like in physics or chemistry and math or whatever. And so I think it's important that we put in perspective what athletics do for young men and women throughout the nation and throughout the world. Uh, I've had experience internationally and, and yet, you know, the, the athletics bound us, but we were all students and I think that's important to remember. You know, athletics, I, I think the uh, <clears throat> Uh, the statement goes that, you know, uh, teaches you uh, time commitment, time uh, uh, to be able to juggle your time, sacrifice. Um, I used to go on the speaking circuit as a, as a principal and we'd speak at athletic banquets and I always said in conclusion that nothing prepared me more for the job that I was currently in then principal than, than my experience in athletics. And, and that's because of all the adjunct skills that I learned as a result of that, some of which I've mentioned here. So yeah. I think it's important that not necessary, but important that, you know, I've had that background and, uh, you know, had that great number of failures uh, that allow me to, the resiliency to come back and, and to, uh, to work to work harder. Yeah. Um, you know, now on board here at the, the CIEC, sort of broadly speaking, you know, kind of, and I think folks generally know, you know, what it is we do and, and what we're trying to accomplish and that sort of thing. But sort of broadly speaking, what it, what would you say are sort of some of your goals here, you know, in terms of things that the CIAC can do better or, you know, can do that it isn't doing at all, or, or sort of generally speaking, how do you kind of view where you would like to see the CIAC move? Well, well I, I think you, you, one of your questions earlier was, you know, this is an organization of volunteers. The CIAC is really the membership. It's not people here, as you, mm -hmm. you said. And I think one of the big things is with all of the mandates, and change is nothing new, but these mandates are, are fairly enormous and they are draining a lot of people's time and energies, that we find ways to reach out to membership. I think that's first and foremost yep. um, the, the notion, in, 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 I guess it's the teaching that it, it's really the membership that we need to draw in and find ways to do that. So I guess that will be incumbent on, and it is incumbent on the current uh, membership uh, staff here uh, to, to find ways to get people involved, to, to engage them, as, as we say, with all their commitments and all, their, uh, all the pressures that they have yeah. uh, so that athletes and students uh, throughout the state continue to benefit from our expertise, our experience. Yeah. Um, a little more uh, focused, uh, you know, sort of tasks at hand. Uh, the track and field championships, the indoor track and field championships, which you are uh, uh, prominently involved in, are, are coming up this weekend, beginning on Thursday, uh, which I hopefully I think we will post this interview on Thursday. So we hope folks check those out either in person or the uh, 
uh, all of the uh, competition will be broadcast live on the NHF, NFHS network. So we hope folks can will check it out one way or the other and a lot of good competition. But as someone who's, you know, very much involved in that, I think it'd be interesting just to hear your perspective on what it takes to sort of put these competitions on. You know, I think fans and, and athletes sort of show up and they're, and the coaches obviously, I think, have some perspective on the legwork that it takes to, to run a championship like that. But as someone who's involved on the, the sort of the back end, how would you, how do you, how would you sort of describe what it takes to kind of host or, or to run a, a championship uh, of, of a CIAC event like that? Well, Joe, there's a cadre of volunteers, as, as we have said here in this, in this discussion, that have made these uh, championships possible. I'm thinking of uh, uh, meet directors like Bill Barron, Tom Haley, and uh, Dave Tetlow, who give up their time long before these championships ever take place. Mm -hmm. uh, they're involved in coaching and have been for many years, and their, uh, their years of experience uh, go beyond uh, the, those of a university <laughs> professor in terms of knowledge of the sport. So, you know, the, their willingness to come together and, and get the, the, the volunteers, uh, paid volunteers, in, in our case for the state meets, uh, is, is really important. They've gotten together teams to work these state meets of uh, experts in, for instance, the high jump, the long jump, pole vault, uh, the running events that uh, make these meets run smoothly. And I know over the past few years uh, through and under their guidance and, and over their, uh, with their oversight, they've uh, managed to run uh, meets in a timely fashion with minimal disruption and fewer problems than ever before. Uh, they try to make athletes, uh, they're very proactive in, in trying to get all athletes to compete. In other words, they don't want anyone to be disqualified. And they, uh, mm -hmm. Not that they look the other way, but they're very, uh, they're very um, engaging in terms of uh, talking to coaches and athletes to prevent slip-ups. Uh, last year presented a series of logistical problems with the storms that we had, much like the football championships this year with weather issues. And... Uh, you know, those, uh, you know, I know Joe Tonelli in this office and his connections with uh, uh, the leaders in, in uh, New Haven was able and instrumental in enabling us to, uh, to run our, our, uh, our meets, uh, even though we had multiple postponements and yep. uh, parking issues even after we got the meets uh, underway. And uh, uh, people were able to uh, work on the political end and, uh, and smooth over the rough edges, if you will. So... Meets of this 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 caliber, and you know, because they're, 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 they're we joked about being perfect, uh, but but they are. Um, you want them to run well, and, and the volunteers and the people that we get to run them year after year. It's credit to the meet directors, credit to people in this office that have worked it, and um, I think to the coaches out there who have become very much involved over the past few years. Uh, Matt Fisher has set up a really neat interactive uh, site for posting and. Coaches could go to that site and check other times and performances. Uh, and uh, uh, I, so, so again, I, it's an effort of a lot of people. It's not an easy effort, as any state championship uh, um, leader would, would attest to, anyone that's run them, rather, uh, would attest to. But uh, uh, certainly uh, in track and field, with the numbers of events, and they're so distinctly different, uh, finding experts to be able to judge, officiate, manage those, um, it has, uh, has been quite a task and, and one that the meet directors have accomplished. Yeah, it should be a great uh, weekend. And um, just sort of from a, both the you know, director 
standpoint, but also a fan. What a, I assume you will be in attendance at, at many of the championships this weekend. What are you looking forward to, uh, to seeing, whether it's an event, whether it's competition, or just sort of the general uh, atmosphere? Uh, I, I'm proud to say that I always attend all of the meets, and, uh, and that includes the State Open and the New Englands. Uh, as a former middle distance runner, I always enjoy watching indoors. Uh, the 4 by 800 uh, meter relay teams, the 1,000, uh, uh, the, the shorter sprints, uh, relatively shorter sprints, 4 by 400, 600. Uh, th those I, I spend uh, a great deal of time watching and, and enjoying. Um, but it's to say, not to say that uh, I don't respect and, and certainly admire those athletes in the pole vault, which I, I always love to watch, the high jump, uh, tremendously techni uh, technically difficult events. And, uh, um, they're fun to watch, and that's uh, those are a couple of the things that uh, uh, I, I kind of spend a little more time with. Not that I ignore the others, but um, find those fascinating. Yeah, absolutely, and we won't uh, we won't put you on the spot and ask you where you would stack up against any of the, uh, <laughs> any of the athletes that we'll see this weekend. We won't, made it here. <laughs> we, we won't do that. But uh, the indoor track and field championships will be at the Floyd Little Athletic Center uh, starting Thursday. We'll have meets uh, the Class L championship on Thursday. The M Championship on Friday, and then the S and the Double L on Saturday, and then the Open will be the following weekend. So right. lots of great uh, opportunities to check out some uh, some wonderful athletes and, and track and field championships as we we kick off a very busy uh, winter championship season with that. So and, and Joel, beyond the state uh, championships, uh, you know we uh, we've always been well represented in the New England championships, yes. and our athletes, uh, credit to them and their coaches, uh, usually go on and uh, distinguish themselves. Uh, quite well in, uh, in that venue up in Boston. Yes, absolutely. And I know we have uh, a runner uh, in the state right now who actually has, I believe, the fastest time, the 3200 in the, the country right now. So She is, uh, she is uh, quite the runner. As a freshman last year, I uh, remember watching her run, and uh, while not a surprise, uh, she beat everybody in New England. And I watched her run the cross-country championships up in uh, New Hampshire this year. She's uh, She's a powerhouse, and uh, she'll uh, she'll uh, make us all proud. Yes, so one of one of many outstanding athletes to keep an eye on. So, Steve, we uh, we thank you for being with us, talking a little bit about uh, your role with the CIC. And I know I, I speak for everyone here when I say we're very happy to to have you on board and to be working with you. So good we'll to talk. be here, Joel. Thank you. Thanks, Steve Wysowski, for his time. Be sure to uh, look for him at the Track and Field Championships. Going to be trying to keep those suckers moving on schedule there this weekend in New Haven. And we thank all of our guests for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, hope you found it to be an interesting show. And that is going to do it for this edition. But uh, thanks to Mary Albel. Thanks to John Sand. Thanks to Steve Wysowski. Really enjoyed chatting with all of them today. We hope you enjoyed listening. As always, encourage you to check out CIACsports.com for all of the latest information about Connecticut high school sports, as well as be sure to follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports. Best place to get updated information, lots of scores, lots of results, lots of information there. And, of course, you can also check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. You can email me. Reach out and let me know what you'd like to hear on the podcast. That is CIACcast at C-A-S-C-I-A-C. Lots of C's, lots of casses there. That's CIACcast at castciac.org. We encourage you to uh, to reach out. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know if you think there's anything you'd like to uh, see us add. But until then... I'm Joel Cookson. We thank you very much for listening to us on the CIC cast. We will be back soon with more championship coverage and more discussion about Connecticut high school sports.